everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mindset Conquest with Lex Wischko. Today we have a very dear friend of mine as a guest, uh, Ron Gonzalez. He and I met years ago and just clicked. Maybe because we're both immigrants to the United States, maybe because we have some of the similar stories, but we started connecting um, in fitness, right? It was in fitness and we just went from there. And little did we know we're gonna stay in touch, reconnect years later and continue our friendship. Uh, what I love about Ron is he has such a unique story um, of an immigrant moving to the United States, but guys, this is not a typical story and please do not assume things before you hear his story. So without further ado, thanks for coming on, Ron, and I'll help, I'll uh, let you introduce yourself to the crowd. What's up, guys? Listen, I will tell you this, because you probably don't know this. Whenever I, I remember the day I first saw you, so we were working, we were working out. Yeah, working out. <laughs> Surprise. Um, and it was probably like 4.45 to 5.45 in the morning, something around that time, because it was early morning workouts. And I remember you were sitting down doing seated rows. Uh huh. Oh, brain. Uh huh. Like I was walking, I looked sideways, and I saw the form and like just your face, how focused you were, and I was like, "Whoa, I want to see who that person is." Like, <laughs> we have the same thing, and that's when I approached you. I think I approached you at some point, and, and then I forgot. But I remember that first moment that I saw you, and that happens to me with, with people sometimes. I'm like, "Yeah, Ooh, you and I. Let's let, let me just say hi to you." You know, I love that you mentioned that because that focused face is exactly how we do things, right? Like when you're doing something, you're 100% in it. And, and one more thing I want to mention before we really get into your story. Is <laughs> what I loved about meeting you is, you know, you, as a girl, you meet, guy, you meet guys at the gym and you're just like, oh, God, like get, get off my back. Oh, God. And one thing about Ron is, you know, he was, even then, you were married and you were so, like you never <laughs> gave the wrong vibe. And I so always respected that about you. Not that I was like, I love a man who understands the importance of his family. And you can see that on your journey. The mu so much, you're so much about your family. You're so much about your wife and your kid. And it's, it's, I love to see that. So that, that spoke to each, to, to <laughs> me about you and to you about me, the moment we clicked. So, yeah. all right. I want the world to know your amazing story. So cool. tell us, so, Ron. Uh, a quick intro, a quick intro right now about myself is, uh, yeah, so I'm Ronald Gonzalez. <clears throat> I, uh, I currently live in Nashville, Tennessee. I uh, was born in um, a small town called San Antonio de los Baños, which is in Cuba, from Cuban originally. Uh, I lived in Cuba until I was four. My family migrated to or moved to the Dominican Republic. We lived there until I was about 10, almost 11 years old. And at that point, uh, my family, my immediate family, me, my mom, my dad, and my uh, three-month-old sister at the time, uh, had a very uh, interesting journey to the United States from the Dominican Republic, which I don't think we even got to talk about. Like, so you don't know about that. That is, um, we moved to a small town uh, back in 2001 of Cordial, Georgia. Um, Back in the day, it wasn't as progressive thinking as it was now. So um, being a 10-year-old, just being a 10-year-old period, no matter where you're from, just with all those culture changes, uh, a lot of events happened in my life that led me to where I am now, which is education, 
um, working with, with, with kids and trying to, to teach them about the endurance and perseverance that it takes it. to get kind of where we are now, you and I. I love that. And it, I'm not surprised you're talking about, you know, strength and perseverance and like not giving up because that's a part of your story. So let's get into the whole move from Cuba. So you were four years old when you and your family moved from Cuba to Dominican Republic, right? Yes, yes, yes. So um, my great uncle at the time, um, he was a Catholic priest, uh, Catholic priest for high end officials. Uh, and he was able to, through connections, was able to get us out of a, his immediate family, which was my grandmother, out of the country and then to the Dominican Republic. My grandmother lived in the Dominican Republic for about five years. We stayed in Cuba. After some time, she was able to claim us out of there. Uh, the Dominican Republic, me arriving there when I was four, uh, we lived in very tight quarters. Uh, we lived in an apartment uh, complex called Progresa. Progresa. Through, yeah, through Google Maps, it's funny because through Google Maps recently, I've looked it up and I've done a street view of it. And man, it is chilling to think about. <laughs> that, that's where uh, the Dominican Republic is, especially the area that we lived at, crime. There's a lot of crime. Unfortunately, it's a very impoverished country. So uh, it's not very safe. And especially when you're immigrants, you tend to move, you don't move to the heights, you know, you, you start at the bottom. Right, right. Now, now you, but you already said, even if it was like that, there was still an upgrade from where you were in Cuba. Oh my goodness. Yeah. In Cuba. So my home, my, my family, where we grew up is a very small strip of land called Govea. Till, till now, if you go to my Facebook, uh, and actually I will tag in some of these in case you want to link them. Mm -hmm. I have of the house where I would have grown up if, I, if my family never left. Um, you know, it's, it's a, a small stretch of land that it's everybody that lives in that side of the road uh, is family. They grow onions, carrots, they have what we call fincas. So we all grow our own food, we kill pigs. Uh, wow, farm, little farm. Little farm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as rural as it gets because a rural farm back in 1990 when I was born in Dominic in Cuba is not a rural farm in, let's say, Cordial, yes. Georgia. Yes, yes, yes. It's very different to imagine, right? So, okay. So your family moved to Dominican Republic and you lived in not such a great neighborhood, but it was already an upgrade. Yes. So how many of you lived there? So initially it was... Uh, I have a picture that I'll also send you. It's uh, somebody's birthday and we're all in front of a window. It's ridiculous. Here we go. <laughs> Me, my mom, my dad, my uncle, my uncle Raul, my uncle Gonzalo, their mother. So my great grandmother was still alive. Her name is Josefina. I remember me running around the house and walking on her, trying to put makeup on and she would not let me <laughs> makeup. All wrinkly, just, you know, an 85 year old Cuban lady. Back in the 40s, uh, did uh, modeling for Colgate. She used to have strippings of old newspaper. And she wow. Was so, I mean, hence to see how that at the 80s, she would not see me without makeup on, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> anyway, so them, um, my mom, my dad's sisters, my aunt, her two kids, my cousin Chelsea and my cousin Joseph, and their dad. We lived in a two bedroom apartment with a small living room. 
a kitchen the size a quarter of this room is not very big at which all which is probably yeah like two by two maybe yeah uh yeah. maybe yeah maybe uh, if so uh one day the pressure cooker blew up and the beans were like exploded through the, the ceiling that's hilarious <laughs> now for years four and years that many that people was, in that was our ramp up that was our that, ramp up to the dominican republic that was the the four years of hustle right that got us to nice dominican republic Right. Okay. So that was the hostel. Okay. So this is very important to note because, you know, sometimes, and, and, and this is eye-opening to me too, because, you know, I always think of United States as a place where you can really hustle and grow. I, I rarely think of other <laughs> countries to do that, but that many people also in, in that close environment, um, you would think that that would be really, really stressful but your take on it is a little different. So tell me about your memories of, of those years. Of the Dominican Republic years? Yeah. Of, of the in-house? Uh, so, man, so funny. I, I don't know why my memories are so vivid of it, but we went through two hurricanes uh, in the Dominican Republic and we were in the apartments. And I just have fun memories of like us being in the hall with the mattresses on the floor. <laughs> Um, my dad uh, was able to get us a small TV, battery-operated TV, and I remember like us rushing before before hurricanes. People go to do the big shopping these days, right? Right, right. I just remember like us running down the stairs, like excited about going to get. What do you care? There was a hurricane coming. We were like, oh, we're all gonna be in this fort, all of us. Oh Which, my god! So I think my my family has always been a very party traditional Cuban, everybody together, laughing, making fun of each other, all in, in, in good humor type right. of thing. Uh, so I never, well, let's not say I never felt the stress because there were also moments that I saw my parents deal with the stress that I think yeah. of this now just hit me. There's a lot of times that I kind of panic about the stress that my kids are seeing. Yeah. And I a lot of that stress with my family that at the time, me being young, you don't think about. Uh, you have to reflect on it later and say, yes. "Yeah, you can't. You can't even understand it then." Well, really, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you're talking about from four to ten. That yeah, exactly. But it's important to. Uh, it's so interesting that you remember that. And this interview is so timely because of my war story, where I talk about how yes, we had a good time in the base misery yes. bombing, and it's just to show that you know sometimes we need to go back to being kids. Because yes, there are times to solve serious problems, but what is a kid's approach? We're going to make the best of it. And you were so excited during a hurricane that you were buying oh, batteries. You made it. <laughs> <laughs> Different story if I wouldn't be here. If I would have died yeah. of a hurricane. <laughs> right? Right. Like, yeah, if, uh, yeah, bad stuff. <laughs> okay, so you were there. Right. So what I want to also point out is, again, like when we think of immigrants and we think of so many people staying in a small apartment together, we always think like, oh, that's got to be like awful and high stress because, you know, again, living in the United States too, we're used to our space and, you know, I have my privacy. But what's interesting is there were like, those were very great memories for you. And, you know, that also goes to show that we are assuming that our perspective is everyone's perspective 
where you had a great time being connected with that closely with that much family, but from someone else's perspective, they're like, oh God, that was awful. That must have been awful, right? Where and it was completely fine. And then, nothing. Right. Yeah. Some, like we no. talked about it, some families are not like that. Like I could not be in a small environment with my family. That would not work for us for me but for you it worked out really great and i love that that ended up being such a great experience for you so after that you guys were in dominican republic until 2001 correct 2001 yes um i'm gonna try to make this story a little short because <laughs> i thought you do what you want to with it so check this out my um we came illegally to the united states oh my god uh, so we came illegally to the United States. We didn't cross a desert because there's no desert connected to the Dominican Republic. If for some reason somebody's not aware, they're from another part of the world. Uh, Florida, if you picture in the United States, you have Florida. And then detached from Florida, you have the island of Cuba, which is a long stretch. And then underneath to the right of Cuba, so southeast of Cuba, you have the smaller island of Haiti divided by uh, Dominican Republic. Right. So... <clears throat> My great uncle, again, uh, who shall remain nameless, <laughs> a man of mystery, <laughs> was able to hook up my family. My, I want to say my family, me. Oh, my uncle, who went to the Dominican Republic after living in the Dominican Republic for the amount of time he did, the church once again moved him to Cordial, Georgia, to be a priest there. Okay, so. Um, he lived, he left around 1997 to live in Cordial, Georgia, and then we stayed in the apartment. He went to the States with his brother. The house got cut in half in terms of population of the house. At that time, my family had raised some money. They each divided, like, we, my parents ended up doing very well with their businesses. My dad became almost like a big top manager making good amount of money in the DR at a Toys R Us. Mm -hmm. It's called El Mundo del Juguete, Toy World. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, you know, we scaled up the ranks in the Dominican Republic. We were very comfortable at the end. Uh, but then the opportunity came that my uncle told us, hey, I can come, you guys can leave the Dominican Republic and you can come to Puerto Georgia. Uh, I have a connection that can uh, get uh, me, my my immediate family, my parents and my three-month-old sister at the time, um, fake passports for you to travel through uh, fake uh, Italian passports with fake mm -hmm. identity. Mm -hmm. And you are going to act as if you were a tourist and you were visiting, you're an Italian tourist that left Italy. You went to the Dominican Republic in a, in a flight and you're going to travel throughout South America and you're gonna get a bunch of stamps on your passport saying that you're a family just traveling through South America and your last stop, which is Santiago de Chile, um, you're going to get on a plane. You're going to plan, your plane's gonna go to Miami from Santiago de Chile. And when you arrive in Miami or in the plane before you get down, you're gonna chop up your documents and you're gonna flush them down the toilet. Wow. When you arrive in Miami, you are a Cuban with dry foot the dry foot law. Have you heard yes, of that? Yes, 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 yes. That doesn't mean you have to come from the water. That means you have to touch American soil. That means you have to touch American soil. Now, a you know, lot I of Cubans mention... used to cross. I used to Cuban. A lot of Cubans used to go to Mexico, mm -hmm. cross the Grand Desert, and arrive. And 
you know, it's funny because when I arrived in the Dominican and when I first arrived in the States, I used to feel uh, some sort of like tension between Mexicans and Cubans. And I think a lot of times it was because Mexicans had that thing where like, you get here and you get everything. I get yeah. here and I totally get it. I think it was completely Obama took care of that. Like that law doesn't exist anymore. And as much as I hate it, but I'm like, it's fair because it wasn't fair that just this one group of people could do this. Anyway. You know, I, I, I get that. And this, this could go in the, the whole political. No, no, no. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I do want to talk about that because there's people listening to this who are probably like, oh, well, you know, you found a way, you know, to, yes, that's called resourcefulness. And, you know, for, for anybody listening to this who doesn't understand a search for a better life, who doesn't understand resourcefulness and finding ways to get to a better life, that person I recommend needs to travel and is to talk to people from different backgrounds. Um, because there's so much controversy that I find amongst people who've never traveled, um, where people who have traveled understand. They understand a need to go to find a better life, whatever the means are. So I love the creativity that your story had on how you're actually going to get to the American soil. And like you said, once you're there, per law, you're allowed to be there. And I think something very important to say here is, I'm retelling this story. Let's remember also that like, these are parents doing this stuff. You and I have, I have kids. Yeah. This was, I was going on 12 different planes in 12 days, girl. I was going to hold. Oh, my God. Parents thinking, what if we get caught? In, we no, travel? I can't. I can't even go. Like, I can't even think like that. Now, let me tell you this. <gasps> let me tell you this. I know. So think of that. Because right now I'm telling this story and people are like, oh, yeah, you were hustling. He's like, no. And listen, one of the reasons why this was an upgrade was because when you live in a country like Dominican Republic, and I see, I see you teared up because I we have kids. I, I swore I will not tear up at one of my podcasts. No, no, and you, you are tearing different. me. It's just different. It's just different. I get it. Listen, I, this is things that I think about all the time now that I have kids, and I'm like, I have to do better. I have to like my parents did this shit. Yes. And listen, so uh, my my parents, the last stop was Chile all the way this i mean cold as hell you would think south america yeah you're right by antarctica but, but down yeah she lived to miami it's a 16-hour flight my parent my oh and there was no stopping so i remember listen i have a toy oh, i'll also send you a picture I'll <laughs> a special place that i got at the airport it's a little clown like this that came inside a gumball and i remember when i got in that plane the planes used to have the cigarette holder thingies yeah and I put the guy next to me as if he was my buddy. Oh and my God. We left, I don't know, turn up. We left at 6 p.m. And uh, we flew overnight. My dad ended up, uh, this is the crazy part. It's kind of funny. I'm tearing up thinking over everything. But my dad, the instructions were like, when you get in the plane, you're going to chop up the documents. Yeah. And you're gonna fly to the toilet. My dad did it probably two, an hour into the flight. And then it happened. He thought, what if there's turbulence or we have to stop somewhere in this 16-hour flight for whatever reason and they have to restamp our documents? Oh my god. We come back here. There's the what if. Oh my god, there's what the if. what if. Because it could easily happen. We're yes. in a 16-hour plane, overnight flight. I don't remember the weather, 
because I don't, I don't remember the stress. Yes. I said the amount of diarrhea that he had in that <laughs> He's like, I shed in my pants. Like, I was like, and the moment that we landed in Miami, I was like, oh, here's the crazy thing. So we land in Miami. Here we go. This, this should be a movie. I have vivid memories. My dad, oh, we land in Miami around five in the morning, six in the morning, because we left super late in the afternoon the day prior. There are no planes. That was all part of the plan. There's no planes in the airport. Why? So what they tell us is, hey, whenever you get down, you have to hide in, air, in the bathrooms. Yeah. Four in the morning, there's nobody. It's, it's empty, right? He's like, you, you and Ronald, the guy told my dad, you and Ronald go to the guy's bathroom. My mom and your three-month-old sister go to another bathroom and wait for traffic to build up. You oh my God. Wait for traffic to build up to blend with the people. So whenever you go report to immigration, they're not going to think, let me look at the bathroom and see if this person was in the bathroom at three o'clock in the morning. So right now well, they, they can't, they can't track you down. So my parents, I have vivid memories again of me and my dad in the bathroom and him just trying to keep me calm because it was from four to like, we stayed from four to eight. Oh my God. We're doing bubbles with the soap trying to catch him. I remember my dad like trying to keep me entertained. Over here, like, I wasn't thinking what's going to happen. You know, I had no idea. You know, <laughs> listening to this as a parent, like I'm like breaking and breaking here. Like, like yeah. Uh, about, so, oh. Have you ever heard of Kron? K-R-O-N? No. I think that's how you spell it. So Kron is still a place, you can look it up, I've, I've Googled, viewed it too. It's an immigrant uh, immigration detention center in Miami. Um, it's, there's a lot of, of immigrants that come illegally to the country, a lot of Cubans, a lot of people that are waiting to be either deported or waiting to be released into the, into the general population if you came in through some loophole like my family discovered. Oh, really quick, what I was going to say earlier that I forgot, part of the reason we left the Dominican Republic and one of the beauties of this country that uh, a lot of people don't see is that even though we lived in a very nice house when we left, I almost got kidnapped twice. Uh, my parents, because why? Because we were rich, white, oh, yes. in the Dominican Republic. So I almost got kidnapped twice. My dad had to carry a gun with him in his car. Uh, my mom... Not to say anything, but she stands out because she's light skinned and blonde. Uh, so a lot of it wasn't the secure life of I'm gonna leave my doors unlocked. Yes. Bars in our windows. Our our upstairs person. We, we had a it was more like a townhome, I guess, at the end. Our upstairs person was like a local, uh, good street drug lord. I say good because he gave a lot to you know. We were cool. Everybody was cool with him, but we saw him pistol whip a couple people in the steps right next to my house. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I'm glad you're saying this because when yeah. you're talking about a better life from Cuba, people are like, well, why would you leave? Yeah. We're it's talking all, about. Led to, to what I consider, I'm making such a big deal. If, if I know you're following me, but I've been posting this thing saying 30 in September. 30 in September to me is like a, a coming of age moment of like, I'm finally. Only had, like, I think I've made it to where my family can now not go through that type of stress that I went through. That was a life-threatening stress. That was, I want their stress to be 
what career path am I going to take? Right. Am right. I going to, to go to university or not? Or not? Or am I yeah. going to start my own yeah. business? I want yes. that. Type. I don't want the stress of like, oh my God, we're going to eat Captain Crunch for three weeks because that's the cheapest thing that we can buy. You know, I don't want that. Type. That's hurt, especially when you have kids. Um, so uh, we arrived, we went, to, so back to Krom, the immigrant detention center. The immigrant detention center, we leave the airport. We spend about 16 hours at the airport that day that we arrived. They put us in a truck, everybody very nice, nobody in handcuffs, me, my mom, my dad, my sister, they put us in a van and a, a, a prison van, right? I'm 10. I can only imagine my parents though. What the fuck, we're in a no, prison? No, I can't. No, I'm 10, I don't, I'm not thinking about it. So they take us to Kron and we arrive at Kron around four in the afternoon. Kron is a legit detention center. If I didn't tell you what it was, you would think it's a prison, it's a jail because it's bars and everything. And you go out the doors, you get checked in. They gave me, my mom, blue sweat suits. They gave my dad, I don't think it was orange. Was it white and black? It might've been white and black. Or we were blue, maybe he was orange or red. No, no, he was red. And um, they separated us. So me and my mom went into our room with a giant dorm style room with a bunch of bunk beds and a bunch of uh, Haitians that had just arrived in a draft. Uh, they had literally just arrived from a draft, from a, a boat that they mm -hmm. And it was like 20 of them. The smell in the room. Oh was, my God, that was, I wasn't even gonna go ridiculous. there. Maybe that's why I have so much vivid memories. Exactly. So your sister was with you and your mom? three months old. I'm right, right. Yes. I can't imagine. We there. Listen, we, and we were living it up in the Dominican Republic like two days before this, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, or actually a week. It, the trip took 12, 12 days, the entire trip through South America. So we, uh, and it cost $26,000 that my dad had to repay. We can talk about how he had to repay the money. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a lot of fake documents, a lot of legal, legal ownership. Yeah. Um, so whenever we're there, like, I remember they brought us a big bag of lace chips and all the kids, like even me, I, was like, I want some chips. I've been in the airport all day and stuff. So yeah. chip, uh, Oreo cookies and things like that for the kids. And we were all just like, like dogs that were just given a, a thing of toys and we're all just running. Those kids, I don't know if they've eaten. I don't know if that's the first time they ate. They just yeah, got Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Maybe not. You know, it's funny, I was thinking about that shit back then, too. <laughs> For some reason, I used to look at those kids and I used to be like, ooh, like, I don't think we had it that rough. I remember, <laughs> I remember thinking, wow. like, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we spent, they took me and my mom to a hotel with my sister, me and my mom and my sister to a hotel uh, with a guard outside of the door. Very nice hotel. I remember the drive over there. It was through Miami. I got to see the airport. And the, if you oh, Miami is my city. I love Miami. I remember you telling me, yeah. Oh. Right after we met, you went to a Miami trip recently. With some I always stuff. went to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. No, Miami's a good vacation spot. So I remember getting to the hotel and uh, wanting to go to the pool. And my mom was like, we're not going to. <laughs> And it was like, yeah, either like today he told me, like your mom used to tell me that you were just like, we spent two days there. And my dad spent two days with the men incarcerated. Okay. Now my dad's time while he was there, he said everybody was super nice. Everybody there was, 
it was not a criminal jail per se. Maybe some of the right. guys might have backgrounds, but they were escaping and hopefully coming to do good in this country. Right. right? That's right. something. But he said he had a great time. They fed them, blah, blah, blah. But they kept us there. They gave us 12 shots all at once. Okay. It was a security card. Opened the doors. And he's like, all right. You know, and this is one thing. And took us to Cordell, Georgia. And that was in Georgia, which is the funniest part yeah, well, of Well, that was Miami, but he took us, yeah. So whenever they opened the doors to us, they kind of just say, okay, you're here. We're not going to pay for you to live. What do you have? And that's where my great uncle, finally, like the gates of heaven, opened the doors. He's like, welcome. And then we were out on a 14-hour drive to Cordell, Georgia. I am going to be thinking about this story for a very long freaking time because like, you know, it's such a hard story to listen to thinking about a family going through now being a mother of a one and a half year old thinking of having two kids and one of them being a baby with me and doing that much traveling. Like I've been through some shit when my kid was little but I can't, I mean, I, I just, I'm going to have to really digest this because this is in, insane. Oh, we can go. There's so many fun stories in every, in every place, in every moment. Yeah. We can well, tell me in general, tell me about the mindset behind this. Like, this is your past. How yes. are you using this story in your life? Does it push you forward? Does it give you strength at times? Tell me your mindset. You know, the beautiful part about all this is that everything I've told you, I know, I, I know that it pushes me, but what, what has gotten me to where I'm at right now, today sitting with you, feeling the most happy is being able to reflect on my years and overcoming what it was like to be a 10 year old in a school where nobody, there's, they, whenever I arrived in Cordell, Georgia, a very small town at the time, they didn't have uh, English learner services at the time or anything like that. So their response, which this is not me throwing rocks at anybody. Again, I wouldn't change a thing because I wouldn't be here if any of those things wouldn't have happened. Yes. So not throwing stones. Their response was put them and put um, put uh, Ronald in the special ed classroom. And uh, give him some learning toys. Wow. Year old that was living a life of, I had friends in the Dominican Republic, everything was fine. And now I'm in a place in a school in the rural Cordial Georgia had at the time, I think 16,000 people. So this is actually the time now you really feel stressed, right? Because up until now you were with your family and as yeah. stressful as the trip was, you had your little buddy toy and you were yeah. with your family and your dad was making the bubbles. So you were being the kid, but this, exactly. now you're in school. Yeah, now you're in school, now you're by yourself and now the real stress starts, right? That's what built me. Wow. That's what built you. Yeah, it was crazy. So listen, so I remember like being in that special ed classroom and just looking around and being like, you know, I'm a real kid. Like, what the hell am I doing here? And why are these people treating me this way? And like, I, I, the, when I say these people, the adults were, of course, nice adults. They weren't treating me. They weren't kicking me. 
but I don't care what adults think when you're 10 years old. You care about what the other kids are doing. Yeah. And, and the friends and your emotional development to be able to communicate with other people around you is built at that age. You are who you are because of the way probably, most likely, you develop between eight, I would say to about 12 years old. How did you decide who to talk to? Were people smiling at you so you always thought that you could go talk to them? Or were people always making fun of you? I hate my voice and breaking up. <clears throat> or were people always making fun of you so you always hesitate a little bit before you approach them? And then when you develop confidence, which is what happened to me, I, I had this hate that I still use and anger. I, I want to get, uh, tattoos hurt me a ton. <laughs> but I'm like, if I'm going to get it, I uh, know. Listen, I'm talking to the wrong person. I wish my wife would have said that. She just got one last week. She got a tiny one and I'm like, nope, couldn't have done it. But I'm something or I'm thinking of something that I can devote to anger, stress, fear, darkness, because listen, this sounds so dark, but still all of that is what I've used. Just that fear of never going through that again and not having a work in educational work at a high school. I get kids when they're 14, 13 sometimes through 18. I know how those years you have to be, you have to have somebody that can at least guide you and, yes. and look at you differently than the way that some other people might look at you. And I'm not saying that I'm the only person that does that. There were people in my life that did that. People in my life that till this day I follow, I message them every so often. I'm like, hey, Miss Hunter, my fifth grade teacher. Jason Hobbs, a friend that I just posted on Facebook the other day, a picture of me and him my junior year. There are people in my life that I remember kind of helped me know that it's okay. You have to push. It's okay. You have to push. Wow. You know, I honestly don't think I had that. Really? Yeah. Man. So until, but you do now. Well, yes. Yeah, absolutely. When did that yes. begin? When but, did, you know, do you remember well, the first person that you felt that towards? <laughs> you know who <laughs> helped me? Tupac. I was so angry when I moved to the United States and I had nobody around me to guide me or push me. And I found strength in his music and in his yeah. lyrics. And I remember that time, that was early 2000. I would blast him over and over again because you have to, in those moments, like you said, darkness, anger, all of that, you can either give in or you can use that as your fuel. And yeah. it's, it's so much easier to give in, but it's so much more rewarding to use that as fuel. You know what I think? When I have those feelings, I think, what do you want to do with that feeling? And whatever raw emotion you get towards that feeling, as weird as it sounds, to me, I wanna, I wanna elbow a bad feeling. I wanna be like, get out, like, no. I know that th th this is what you're trying to do. I tell myself this. And you know what? No, back up. Like in my head, I'm like, get the heck back. I got this. So because like you said. What I've been through, trying to solve a Wi-Fi issue for a student, I'm not gonna let this dethrone me. Right, right. So, <laughs> so you are saying that all of your past, you're using the stress that you finally ended up feeling. You're using all of that to say, I am never going there. And I'm now I'm going to make damn sure that my family never has those kinds of problems. 
And when you feel those feelings, like you said, in your head, so you're talking to yourself. So there's push, there's like a positive, strong self-talk that goes on, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's all self-talk. And listen, if anything, I, again, not throwing stones towards my family. My family did not have time to teach me this lesson. No. They were dealing with other things. So I never hate them for it. I never think, oh my God, why didn't you tell me about student debt? I know. I know. Right. It's the you know, same. What that, you yeah. Me? But it's now with our kids, listen, today I'm going to post a video. I haven't posted it yet. I'm teaching Alejandro how to do something perfect every day. And that thing is doing push-ups. So right now, every day, he has a little morning routine. He brushes his teeth. He gets ready for school. And then we do a quick five to 10 minute stretch. But that's involving, right? Like you're doing better than your parents did. And this is why we can't go back and, and yes. And this is why we can't go back and say, well, our parents are responsible for everything. I always say, and I'll make a podcast on this, we have two lives. You had the first part of your life that you didn't choose. But the second part of your life, you choose completely. And you can choose your story from that first life to you to be a fuel and to shape you into something great. Or you can use that first story and say, this is me and stay there. And by saying, well, my parents did this, or this is the way I grew up, you're not evolving, right? Like, where's your responsibility to take that next step forward? Where's your responsibility to make the next level in life, to make even better future for your children? Because our parents made better choices for us than their parents did for them, right? Like What did they do when they were stressed? What did they do? That's the way you got to think about it, yeah. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. They dealt with it differently. And, you know, like me from Europe, like my grandparents were in World War II, you know, so we're talking about a whole nother set of issues and stressors. And, you know, like, so my parents, when they went through university, they thought, well, now we're making the name out of ourselves. And then now I'm running into issues where my dad and I can't, he can't get what I'm doing because it's like, well, why are you not going to school? You should be doing what you went to school for, you know? And it's, it's the general, generational thing. Me and my mom are I believe, <laughs> But it should be. <laughs> but the, the generational thing should be there because that means we're changing, we're evolving. And I love how you're using that to teach your son something new because you're right. Our parents dealt with it differently. And it's our choice how we're going to deal with it from here on. And you know what? what's already a generational evolution that we just talked about? That we don't need to judge this generation coming up. No. We need to find a way to help them avoid the mistakes that we made with what they're doing. Oh, man. That's how you said that. Correct? Right? You're being the internet all day. You become the most successful, healthy, being the internet all day, but do it the right way. Do it the right way, exactly. Instead, yeah. Because yeah. guess what? I'm in the internet all day. I can't, yeah. I can't say, oh, this gets you on the phone all day. Every time somebody says that, I'm like, everybody's on the phone all day. And you know, and that's, yeah, that's a whole nother issue yeah. with, yeah, now addiction and everything. And, and <laughs> the, but also assumption, because you don't know if I'm reading my Kindle on my phone or if I am researching how to beat cancer because I just found out that my uncle has cancer or if I'm just wasting my time, right? Like we are assuming, to a therapist. <laughs> yes, or talking to a therapist. Right? We're assuming <laughs> that everybody's doing the worst if they're on, on their phone. Absolutely, I love that. Okay, so- make better decisions. Virtual so learning. Yeah, go ahead. What do you want your son to 
to learn out of your whole family experience? That life is so tough, no matter who you, like, your life is hard. Life is hard. And it's going to come at you with blows, but look around you, look how happy you are 99% of the time. You know, you, you, you're, you, you surround yourself by, you have to surround yourself by positive people, by good people. You have to have good mental uh, fortitude because when those hard times comes, you have to fight them because you have to remember those hard times. Unfortunately, not for everybody, but they're most of the time they're far less than the good times. Just like me growing up, going through yes. all those hard times. Yeah, I can admit that they were tough, but you know. Um, and also that it always, at the end of the day, it comes down to you. It literally yeah. comes down to you to putting in the work. If you don't put in the work, mom and dad are going to die one day and then it's going to be you and what's going to happen to you absolutely and what you're saying is first like the, the it's like it totally reminds me of my favorite rocky speech right like the life is going to knock you down but it ain't about how hard you get hit but how hard you get hit and you keep moving on right and that's that's what you were saying and then the second thing was it's all on you. And I love that because that is one thing that in my life, I was never, again, I was never taught that, or I never felt that. I was lazy when I was young. Everything was given to me. I never had a challenge. Mm. I slapped me when I was 17 and I moved to United States because everything was on me. And there mm. was nobody to pay my bills. There was nobody to teach me about debt. And there's no, and there was nothing. I had to learn from scratch and it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Yes. However, I don't wish it that hard on anybody because like you're saying with your son, I'm doing the same things. I want to do the same things as my son grows up is teach him that stuff gradually because what I went through as I'm so thankful for that. Right. But mm -hmm. at that time it was, it was really, really rough, but it was the best thing that could have set. Cause if I, if I, like you said, if I never left, I would have been lazy. I would, I would not be the person that I am today. Oh. I would oh. not be the person that I am. So the fact that you're already teaching your son that kind of stuff is so powerful because he doesn't have to relearn this when he's 18, 20, 25 mm -hmm. on his own, right? Like he's going to know this, setting up the good habits for him from day one. I love that. This doesn't also mean let your son fail at everything. You have to also... You have to be smart about it. <laughs> this doesn't mean be a dictator to like be mean to your son and yes. don't bro. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It doesn't mean that. It means don't guard him from things. If if there's a kid bullying him at school, teach him a lesson from it. Yeah. Teach him in regards of like, hey, listen, this is gonna happen. We're, we're gonna take care of it as a parent. We're gonna go, we're gonna do our part. We're gonna step right. in. But listen, this is also the this is gonna happen again tomorrow. If it doesn't happen, great. It's going to happen tomorrow. And you need to understand that. Love and if it, it. What do you do about it? And then that's a whole nother spill. But, you know, telling them but that. But it's learning from every experience, which is also what we're talking about from your past too, right? Like, no matter what the experiences were, you're learning from it and you're using it as your fuel. And that's, yeah, that's what it's we about. Should. We should. Story. That's what people should do. That's what people should do. That's so how you get to where you think. What do you think about that? What do you think about what makes people push forward and what makes people quit? Um, I think what makes people quit was the lack of, lack of establishing routines. I think being able to establish a good routine would, will be the beginning of 
gaining an extra gear, let's say, in life. That to me was monumental, establishing a routine. And that routine um, has made it where I've been able to add more things to that routine as I've evolved. So like your brain space of, of like what you think you can go through is expanded because I'm like, hey, I already do all these things. This, this is just another little thing to throw into it, whatever it is. If you don't have that built up uh, mindset of being able to have a lot of things as life often happens, happen to you, I think it's easy to quit because you're just like, oh, no, no, I already have too much going on. I'm done. Tap out. Boom. I quit. Oh, fitness? No, I, I have to wake up at six in the morning to go to work and then I have kids. I have no time, you know, or they do it for a week while they have that high emotion, blah, blah, blah. And then life hits them and they're like, nope, I can't do it. So somebody who's listening to this, who's, who's done that a thousand times and, and failed a thousand times, mm-hmm. which we often see in fitness, you know, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to eat right this week. I'm going to train five times a week, you know, and then it doesn't happen. So what advice would you give somebody? Because somebody has listened to this and like, I really want to make it through. I really want to push through, but I don't know what to do. So what advice would you give them? Um, this, I'm going to give you this advice because I gave it to my wife who was having a very hard time with this, uh, all her life until the beginning of this year, until January 1st, um, being married to me, she's always been around fitness related stuff. Um, but also being married to me, obviously she hasn't wanted to be all up on that because that's my thing. So it's not easy to train your wife as I'm sure you, you might've experienced this with your husband. It's not easy to work out together. We actually do really well, but it's never been a very, like, we've never done it for 10 years straight. She mm-hmm. hasn't, because of relationship, normal. So what I told her, she finally gave in and she's like, hey, I really want to be as committed to fitness as you are. I really want to build the discipline. I'm going to listen to you because I've seen that you've, you've done this. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> what do you want me to do? How do I start? And the first thing I told her was, go get a piece of tape, of clear tape and put it uh, behind our bathroom. We have it at our bathroom door and put it in our bathroom door. Weigh yourself and weigh yourself every single day when you wake up. I want you to, first of all, understand the way your body fluctuates. Ah, uh-huh. I want you to just understand that today you might be 152, tomorrow you might be 154. The next day you might be 149. I want you to see the way your body fluctuates. Don't do anything, just do that for a week. So we did that and we saw her numbers fluctuate. And I'm like, okay. Now, I want you to start adding one fitness routine to your day. No longer than 30 minutes. You cannot do longer than 30 minutes. If you want to go up and down the stairs for 10 minutes and then jog around the parking lot for 10 and then just do sit-ups for 10, great. Just once a day, 30 minutes, doesn't have to be continuous. You can do 10 in the morning, 10 mm-hmm. in the I want you to do that for one way and we're still going to continue monitoring the day. So what you're saying is first understand yourself. And visual. Understand yourself. Visualize. And then set small, doable goals. So, right. So, like, this can translate in anything that we do, right? Like, any, any goal that we want to set. Understand. Two-minute meditations. Or two-minute uh, meditations. Two-minute meditations. Right now. Every day, two minutes. Well, I'm going to have to send you my meditations because I'm doing five to ten-minute meditations. I'm recording them now. I have a oh, that's step two for me. That's step yes. two. All right. <laughs> See? This is exactly what I'm talking about. And, you know, you talked about it from, from a fitness perspective, but this, again, can be used in anything. First, understand that success is not a straight line. Your body will fluctuate. Your mind will fluctuate. Your energy will fluctuate. Everything will fluctuate. Where are you going over time? Like stock market, right? 
over a year? Is it going up or down, right? Then set small yet doable goals, but the ones that still push you a little bit forward because you could have said do five minutes a day, but you said 30 minutes a day, so it's still challenging, but it's very right. doable. You know, and I'm going to add to that the whole reason why you're doing something, right? Like, as a, as, as a coach, like, I always dig with people, like, why are you doing something? Because even me recently, like, I couldn't get to the fitness mindset. And I'm like, I, I'm starting, and I just can't keep up with it. And then my husband challenged me, and we're doing this challenge for two months. And it's like such a mind, all of it is a mind game. Because I work out at midnight sometimes. My kid doesn't fall asleep till 11. I was done with workout <laughs> and at midnight, like... 40 minutes past midnight last night, but I'm, I'm a night person. You're a morning person. You would rather get up. Yeah. Black. <laughs> yes. But oh, it's, yeah. it's another show. It's another example of how when you know why you're doing something, you, you got the hook. It's not hard anymore, right? Like it's not, it's not challenging anymore. And every excuse up until then that I gave to myself was just an excuse because now I have time. Now I have discipline to eat. Now I have discipline to, you know, do IF, you know, let's not get into this stuff. But the point is I have discipline to do everything that I needed to do. What lagged two months ago, I had everything I needed, but I, my mindset didn't change. So what you're saying is perfect. Understand that success is not every day. It's not a straight line and set small goals. I love that. So what drives you in life? What drives you to be your best self? Oh, man. And, you know, uh, so, so far has been trying to secure my, since I had kids in, two, um, I had kids in 2013, I'm 30, so I had them pretty young. Um, the moment that I had my, my first son, Alejandro, I was like, oh, I have to do whatever I have to do to make sure that everybody's secure, happy, and uh, monetarily um, fine, you know, just my whole life turned into that. So, uh, my kids, happiness of others around me, comfort, comfort. So being, speaking selfishly, because uh, I think it's also important to also not make it all rainbows and butterflies. There are no, some it's what it's to you. Good. I like inspiring others by the way they see me. Um, uh, so, so there is also that physical, that. That, 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 that energy that you get from people. Yes. Well, to you like oh man that's what I want to do and I'm a, I've always been somebody that I've always been I, I hate I always pause when I say this and I need to stop pausing and just say it because I honestly feel this I hate that so many people think that I do my post as signs of boasting and as signs of showing off um because I don't I've always done it with intentions of like and I think it's hard if you don't know the background like I've told you but I'm like look at I'm doing this, but I could be in Govea planting onions right now. Yes. Like, because of the struggle. And it's also to say, if I can do it, you can do it too. Right? Yes. And like that's, yeah. Yeah, the people, and, and that's, again, this is the wrong assumption. We always think that people are doing it for whatever reason, you know, to put us yeah. down. And that's all in our head, you know, when you post yeah. it. And it's the thing, you know, sometimes I think about that, like my posts can come off as aggressive and like really pushy. And I'm all about like strong mindset and like, ah. Oh, you know, but I'm like, you know what? Like, that's who I am. I'm not asking you to be me. Yeah. What I want to do is wake you up and say, you can be whoever you want to be. And that's why I appreciate what you shared because like you said, comfort, like looking good, feeling good, 
that's what matters to you. And that's so important for people to define what matters to them. That's like the key. All right. So last. That's our expertise. We're talking fitness because that's our area. Right. Fitness, uh, replace fitness or everything we said fitness with whatever your happiness is. Yes. Reading books. If that's what's going to make you happy, read the books. Read books. Yes. And if, if everybody says you're reading too much, don't worry about it. Just read books. Right. Exactly. Build your business. You know, people always say that, like people say you're obsessed with whatever it is that you're doing, but you're really like enjoying what you're doing. So you don't yes. feel it. You feel bad. It's like, why are you making me feel guilty? Yeah. No. Doing something. Anyway. <laughs> well, one last thing, a couple last things. Um, what is the best advice you've got from someone or lesson or anything? Mm. It doesn't have to be your person. It can be a quote that you heard, something that inspires Les you. Brown. Les Brown, the motivational speaker, she's awesome. Wow. Uh, man, he has said so many things. If you've never listened, if, if you get anything from this after that, just to help you jumpstart your mindset, any Les Brown video, especially the old ones from like the late 80s and 90s, no matter how hard he gets, I'm going to make it. I tell myself that every day. Somebody else's opinion of you does not have to dictate like who you yes. are. Yes. I love that. Les, Les has a story of his own. So anybody listening to this who wants to be motivate, motivated and inspired, Les has a story like that too. All right. This was fantastic. So tell us a little bit more about where can people find you from here if they're more interested in either working with you or just following yeah. you. So you can find me. Um, so I have a private <laughs> Instagram page, but if you, uh, want to follow me because you heard this podcast and you want to keep up with my story and stuff uh message me uh one you send the invite so i know who you are uh it's at the ronald gonzalez in instagram all right and i'll post the links everywhere as i post this uh, video and podcast so people can get in touch with you if they want if they feel inspired if they want to get in touch with you about fitness yeah. if they want to hear more about what you're doing with kids and, and all the good stuff. That was amazing. I have, uh, I knew a little bit about you, but I didn't know a lot. And I had my <laughs> mind blown. And this story is going to be something I'll be thinking about for days, but it's also a story that's going to push me forward too, because it just shows you what, what we, that we don't have limits. If your family, if your parents could travel that much with a baby and you at four years old and 10 years old and, 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 and make it, we, nobody has an excuse. No, nobody. Like, I don't care what you say right now, but da, 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 it's an excuse. Erase we it. Remember, we need to remember that we were all kids. We were all kids at one point, and a lot could have happened to us as kids that we had no control over. <clears throat> I think a lot of times when I talk to people today at my role and my job, it's easy to look at me when I'm dressed up, when I'm doing my thing, and you're like, ah, look at this person. What do you struggle? You had it easy, right? You have nice, like, you like, what are you talking about? You don't look like you struggle, but we all do. And I'm not saying my struggle is bigger than anybody's, but we all have. Yes, struggles. we all have struggles and stress is stress, and we all deal with it differently. So everybody has an amazing story, but everybody's story also shows what we can endure and prosper from it and learn from it and grow from it and create something amazing from it. Again, we have one life in the beginning and we choose the second life. So 
I love that, Ron. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I'll leave the links where everybody can find you. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye, Lux. Thank you, thank you. All right, thanks everybody. This was another episode of Mindset Conquest. And we'll see you in the next one. Bye.